0: You're listening to a teaching from Get the Word Out and Mary Jean Powers. For more information and audio content, visit www.getthewordout.cc. Sabbath Rest. This is one of the most countercultural messages I teach. And after 40 plus years of being in ministry myself and working with people in ministry, I have found this to be a very challenging message for the Church because, in many ways, it stands in direct opposition to our modern-day ministry lifestyle. As I have taught about Sabbath rest around the world, I've noticed some patterns of thought, some phrases we have adopted as being the truth about rest and Sabbath, and unfortunately, We've developed habits of thought and behavior around them. Here are a few examples. You can rest in heaven, but now we work for Jesus. The devil works 24-7, so we should too. Sabbath was an Old Testament concept just for the Jews. I don't need to rest. I'm young. God expects me to work all the time. A day off is only guilt-free if I feel like I've earned it, which is never. We often begin conversations this way. How are you? Fine. Busy. It's a lifestyle. It's expected. Sometimes we treat busyness like a trophy or proof that we're doing well. But Sabbath must be understood biblically, not culturally. Because Sabbath was God's idea. Wherever cultural values or personal or family values do not align with God's kingdom values, culture must bow its knee. The Word of God, as revealed through Jesus, gives us our standard for faith and practice. So, unless we are convinced of the principles regarding God's command to rest, we will not persevere through the challenge of making lifestyle-lasting changes. In other words, we must know God's heart that motivated the command to rest. Why did God command all of his creations to rest? What is Father God's heart for his children? We live in a performance-oriented, accomplishment-driven society. Successful productivity that is based on competition with one another will steal joy and relationships from us every time. You know, I'm going to say that again. Successful productivity that is based on competition with one another will steal joy and relationships from us every time more, bigger, better, faster, these are words and thought patterns that push us and often control us. But nowhere in the Bible do we find that God measures kingdom success using the words more, bigger, better, or faster. Rather, God's Word teaches that His measure of success has to do with character and holiness and obedience relationships, and God's kingdom coming in us and living through us. I think our present generation and society could easily be defined by the words busy and distracted. Busyness distracts us from higher values. Busyness steals from us. It steals time with people we love, time with God, time nurturing our own souls and bodies then when we realize that it has been too long since we invested in those things, we feel guilty. (laughs) You could say that busyness gives us the gift of guilt. And oftentimes, guilt drives us even further away from the best things in life. We just can't face those people after so long, and we can't face ourselves either. Sometimes we feel like we can't face God. I submit to you that this is not what Jesus called the abundant life. This is not living. It's surviving. I don't live. I do stuff. I don't live. I check things off the eternal list of things to do. I don't live. I just get things done. The things I used to feel excited about, the vision I used to have, the dreams, now they have just taken their place on my to-do list and they've become like a weight on my shoulders. They nag me to come spend time with them, but guilt and weariness and the lack of joy steal my motivation. So I stay away from what could be life-giving, and this is not living. It is a cycle of survival. When I first began learning God's perspective on rest, a dear friend looked me straight in the eyes and said two words that changed my life. Jesus walked. Her words went through me like a sword. What did you say? I demanded, and she chuckled. (laughs) Jesus walked. Skeptically, I asked, what do you mean? Well, Jesus didn't run anywhere. He was never in a hurry. He paced himself, and he didn't rush. So I did what any driven, performance-oriented, type-A Bible teacher would do— I went home and read Matthew, Mark, and Luke that night, and John the next morning, of course, looking for any indication that Jesus hurried. My friend was right. Jesus walked when he wasn't sitting or standing. I learned that pagans run after all the stuff they don't trust God to provide, but Jesus, he only did what he saw his father doing. He didn't rush from town to town connecting with as many people as possible. He didn't rent a high-speed camel and gallop from place to place. He didn't make sure that everyone in Israel heard him teach. He didn't heal everyone who was sick. He didn't deliver everyone who was demonized. He didn't feed everyone who was hungry. Jesus walked just where the Father led him to walk. Here's a question for you. Do you think that heaven will be rushed? Will the schedule there be so full, so tight, so driven that it won't be restful? Remember what Jesus prayed? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. (laughs) If the pace in heaven is like the pace on earth, I'm going to be super disappointed, maybe even angry. Jesus, who is our model for being fully human, took many short getaways during his three to three-and-a-half years of ministry, in addition to his weekly Sabbaths. And the closer he got to the cross, the more often he got away. He got away for a variety of reasons, including to pray, to align with his Father, to physically rest, and to be away, just hang out with his disciples. Jesus wasn't always with people, and sometimes he even sent people away. Sometimes the front yard was crowded with people waiting to hear him, and he went out the back door. Sometimes he took his disciples with him and didn't even leave one of them on call to take care of any other needs that might come up. Sometimes he gave a reason for his times away, and other times he didn't. Because when the time to get away had come, the time for healing people was over. When it was time to pray, it wasn't time to be feeding the masses— When it was time to debrief his disciples, it couldn't also be time for delivering the demonized. When the time for rest had come, the time for teaching was over. We must get to know ourselves honestly and ask this question. What is it time for? And if it's time for family, stop everything else and be with your family. If it's time for rest, stop. Rest. If time alone with God is the only thing that will help you right now, then unapologetically turn your face toward His and walk away with Him. What is it time for? Be honest. What is it time for? Jesus didn't wait until everything was checked off the to-do list. He didn't wait until he was caught up on all his work. He listened to his father. He was honest. And when the time for rest had come, the time for the to-do list was over. In Matthew 11, 28 to 30, Jesus gives us a formula for stress management. Jesus says, come to me. Come to me. If you are weary and burdened, come to me. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. In this case, learn from Jesus how to rest. He goes on to say, Come learn from me because I'm gentle. I'm humble in heart. You will find rest for your souls. For my yoke, it's easy. And my burden, it's light. The Greek definition for the word rest, in verse 28, means to cease. It's a stopping from work. In other words, Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you permission to stop working. And in verse 29, rest means a refreshment, an intermission Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find refreshment for your mind and your decision-making and for your emotions. Take an intermission already. We'll talk more about these words later, but for now, here's a question. What are your counterfeit methods of rest? In other words, what are the things you tell yourself are restful, but they really aren't? For about five years, I took many trips to Venezuela to serve in an orphanage. Because I would come home physically exhausted and emotionally spent, I would take a few days to recover and reflect after each trip. In Venezuela, one family of kids that we rescued were found naked and eating raw fish under a bridge. Others had been sold into prostitution by family members for drug money. One boy had watched his mother's boyfriend beat a sibling to death. Most of the kids were full of worms. I think it was shortly after my second trip, I returned home and began to sort through the trauma those kids experienced and what God had to say about orphans in the Bible. I had not watched television since before the trip, and one evening, after I'd been home for a few days, I walked past the TV, picked up the remote, and began to scroll through the the three channels I could get. The first channel advertised an upcoming new series of award-winning violence, rape, and betrayal. I was repulsed and quickly changed the channel. The second show was of a screaming woman running from a man with a knife. My heart was beginning to pound in my chest as I tried the third channel where a terrified little kid was being traumatized by an abusive adult. Feeling nauseated, I turned the TV off and threw the remote down, and then I heard these words You were just going to sit and relax for a while. You call this entertainment. But for the kids in Venezuela, it's their reality. Yeah, we call this relaxation or entertainment. We call it rest after a long day at work. And I submit to you that this is counterfeit rest. It's not what God intended. What are some other things we do? Even habitually that we call rest, but they're actually counterfeits. They steal life from us rather than give life to us. Again, we need to be honest with ourselves. We need also to know ourselves well enough to answer the hard questions. Questions like, what restores me emotionally? What gives me mental rest? Can I even tell when I'm mentally exhausted? How can I rest from sensory overload, from noise and screams, from something constantly in my mouth or always listening to the radio or a podcast or music? How can I rest from ongoing demand in my relationships, even if I am an extrovert? How can I rest from productivity, from always doing, accomplishing, feeling driven to do more, do more? Am I trying to convince myself that sleep is the answer to all kinds of rest, even though it only gives me physical rest? Am I trying to convince myself that true spiritual rest can come through hours of intercession and worship and Bible study and ministry, even though it only comes when I spend uninterrupted time simply being with God? Well one thing I've learned, God does not want us to be exhausted all the time. It is not God's will that we are tired all the time. So let's talk about the Ten Commandments for a few minutes, since that's where God tells us to remember to rest. First, does God have rules? Of course He has rules. He has rules for the same reason good parents have rules—to protect us and to help us. So when we read the Ten Commandments in Exodus chapter 20, we must understand that all the commands are extremely important to God. There are reasons for each rule. Because God is a good Father, He sets boundaries that are necessary for the health of my body and spirit, for my mind, my will, and my emotions. So when were the Ten Commandments given? After approximately 360 years of slavery, The Israelites had no grid for rest. This was new information. God was actually giving them permission, even stronger than that, commanding them, You must rest. They didn't know how. They were slaves. Slaves don't get holidays. They don't get days off. You know, maybe the other nine commandments hinge on the Sabbath command. Let me explain with one question. What am I like when I'm tired? (laughs) When I'm tired, it's easier to lie. It's easier to dishonor. It's easier to feel discontent. When I'm tired, I get lazy in relationships, especially with God. When I'm tired, I just don't care very much. So yeah, maybe the other nine commandments hinge on the Sabbath command to remember to rest. The Ten Commandments affect everything and everyone, everywhere, no exceptions. They are at the core of healthy living. The best reason for obeying the Ten Commandments is that I want to live close to God. I want to stay within the boundary lines of His loving protection and help. I I want to stay near Him, and that requires obedience, even when it's difficult. When I honor God's ten all-encompassing commands, I express my trust for Him. I love Him by honoring His commands. Remember what Jesus said in John 14, 15? If you love me, you'll do what I say. And in Matthew 5.17, we hear Jesus explain that he came not to abolish the Ten Commandments, the Law and the Prophets, but to fulfill them, to complete them. So why can we trust his commands? Because love is what motivates God's commands. The essential question to ask is this. What is the heart behind the command? Or what is God's heart that motivates him to make these rules in the first place? How does the Sabbath command read again? God says, remember, remember to rest. You know, we're told to remember something when it can easily be forgotten. Remember, remember God. And be thankful. Remember who He is. Remember who I am. Remember my family. Remember the body of Christ, God's family. Remember God's dreams and hopes and plans for me. I've been told by first language Mandarin speakers that the pictograph for the word busy has two pictures in it. One is the picture for heart and the other is the picture for forget. When I'm too busy, I forget my heart. When I'm too busy, I forget God's heart. I forget who I am. I forget those I love. The first biblical mention of rest is found in Genesis 2, verses 2 and 3. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Rest is what makes the Sabbath holy. Holiness is not about works. Holiness is about relationship. Holiness is about learning to love God and love people. Holiness is about staying so close to God that I become like him. I'll love him so much that I will want to do what he says. God made people on the sixth day, and then he rested on the seventh day to celebrate life with them. He didn't rest because he needed a break. He didn't rest because he had run out of creative ideas. God rested to allow space and time to celebrate and enjoy His work. Man's first day was a day of rest. Adam and Eve had done nothing to earn a day off. They just showed up, and their first full day to be alive was a day of celebration. And this is why God gave us the gift of rest. It's time to celebrate life. Time to enjoy the fruit of our labor. Time to enjoy one another. Time to enjoy Him. Time to enjoy being human. And the gift of time to be restored from the demands of being human. Our bodies, our minds, our emotions need restoration. Our spirits need to be nurtured and strengthened. Setting aside time to rest is a gift we give ourselves for our own restoration We look back on the last week and resolve what has been left undone in our hearts. And we look ahead to the next week with positive anticipation because we took time to get our lives back. So by taking time to rest, we get restored. We fill those areas in our lives that are empty. We recover from what has depleted us and we align with who God has created us to be. The gift of Sabbath rest is not a suggestion, but a commandment that requires a lifestyle change. So say yes to God's loving boundary lines, and remember to rest and play and pray and enjoy life with those you love and be comforted by God's gift of sacred rest. In part two of this podcast, Mary Jean will teach about seven specific religious fallacies that many of us have believed about rest. She will ask some challenging questions and encourage you to persevere as you learn to rest in God's way. If this teaching has ministered to or encouraged you and you'd like to donate, please visit www.getthewordout.cc